Welcome back to the Athlete Hackers podcast. My name is Chris Schrade. And I am Mark Spellman. Uh, once again, as we ended our last episode, Chris, let you know that we have some all-star um, hitters coming up, and that is true today with uh, the one and only Molly Benetti. Um, Coach Benetti will get to you in a couple seconds, but first I got to go on a little rant uh, about the hiring practices in our wonderful strength and conditioning sports performance profession. If you are a university or are somebody that is in charge of the hiring practice, first and foremost, make sure you get in touch with everybody that has applied for the position before you post who you hired on social media. Um, one, it's not a good look for your university. Two, it's really not nice to the people that have taken the time to apply for the position. And three, when and if you do get fired from the position that you're currently in, it's going to be very hard for you to reach out to the people that applied for the position that you are advertising to make them want to do something nice for you in return. What and is also, going on? This, this, is, this is a reoccurring theme. Like, yeah. Like, why? I don't know. So um, it seems so, like unprofessional business practices. Yes. And to those and to those that are in the hiring process or are people in charge of hiring, if an individual reaches out to you outside of actually um, filling out the application and going through the HR department, make sure you just reach out to them. Um, I've done this several times. So I'm speaking from personal account, obviously. Um, you have the time and uh, the resources to just let the person know, hey, I got your, I got all your, I got all your stuff. I forwarded it on to the um, hiring committee, and uh, we'll go, we'll go with the next step. And I had a, I had a major university uh, this past week actually reach out to me after I reached out to them. So when, and it's actually a school in your conference, Molly. Um, that took the time. I reached out to them at like 1030 at night and they got back to me at 830 the next morning. Just to let's let me know that they got Let, Let's take the whole professional thing out of this. Let's break this down to just being a, a, a genuine human being. You've got people, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong. Every time you call me and you're going to go on a new interview or you put your application in somewhere and you're waiting for someone, you've gone through this whole thing inside your head of becoming that strength coach. You've put your passion, you've put your emotion into it. There, there's real stuff going on. It's more than just someone just handed in their resume. These people have already perceived themselves in that position and have an emotional attachment to it. And you're destroying it. You're destroying them on the inside. Cut it out. Well, I, I'll go one step forward. I not only do, I not only do my resume, re, my reference, and my, um, my, my intro letter, but I'll, over, I'll also give them um, a document of everything that I'm going to do as the director of sports performance or strength, strength and conditioning and how my leadership is going to affect their athletic department and the teams that I'm working with. And I'll go one step forward. I'll get on realtor.com to check out houses that I can afford in that town. <laughs> so I, I'm pretty thorough with everything that I do. But, um, you know, neither here nor there so if you're in the if you're in the um seat of hiring somebody make sure you just reach out to those individuals that have taken the time to apply for the position and not leave it up to your hr department to reach out to them with a cover letter you know thanks but no thanks um you know take the time you have enough time in your day we all have downtime in our day where you can just send out a nice hey thanks for applying we really appreciate it but we're going in a different direction or if they've sent you the information and sent you like a nice, fairly, fairly, fairly thorough um, stuff of information, just, hey, we got your stuff. We moved it on to the hiring committee and they'll be in touch. You're dealing it doesn't have to be long. You're dealing with people, with families, with emotions, with plans to make. Just, just be a normal human being and, yep. and put yourself in them shoes, have some empathy. And stop taking up time on this podcast. We have to go this <laughs> over again. We have yeah. real guests here that have real information that can actually hack athletes. 
Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try not. I'll try not to ever come up with this rant again. But I'm not. Prof- I'm not saying you. The industry's yeah. got to change. Keep keep doing it. You got to do it until it changes. So, um, with that being said, let's get off. Let's get off of that subject and let's get to the real reason we are here. Um, as we stated last last podcast, we're coming up with some real heavy hitters um, as far as guests, and we're starting it off with somebody that's one of the top guns in our profession. Not only is she one of the top guns, but she's also one of those people that's very genuine. Um, somebody that I've had the opportunity and privilege to get to know over the last couple of years. And I tell her every time that we're on one of these that I'm not stalking her. I just really enjoy everything that she's doing in the profession. Somebody that gets, gets, gets what we do on a day-to-day level, but is also trying to make the profession better for all those that are involved. It is my honor, it's my privilege to introduce coach molly benetti what's up molly what's up mark hey i appreciate that introduction a lot it's uh, very flattering but i it's really it's a privilege for me to be on here with you guys and chris to get to meet you for the first time but i appreciate your guys' time and inviting me to be on today thanks for coming on coach we appreciate you coach benetti for those that do not know you how did you get down to columbia south carolina i know the journey but you know once again <laughs> yeah it's a fuck people <laughs> I mean, I can give you the long version or the short version, but, you know, I'll, I'll, for the sake of most people's time, you know, for those that don't know, I guess a little bit about my journey, this is about to be my fourth season down in Columbia. And, you know, I started out in college not having an, an idea of what I wanted to do. I actually thought I wanted to go to business school, uh, realized pretty quickly that I wanted to do something along the line of athletics or, or in the sports related in a sports related field thought maybe athletic training maybe physical therapy maybe be a doctor had no idea that strength and conditioning even existed but thanks to Todd Smith uh, the head strength coach at Marquette where I went to undergrad uh, and who's still the director there um, he came into one of my classes and gave a presentation and I was just you know taken back by it and ended up interviewing him for a project and he was gracious enough to just open the doors and invite me to come volunteer or observe at any time I wanted to. And I showed up, I think the next day I was in my freshman year and I just kept showing back up, not having any idea what I was about to get into, but I just rode the wave. And, you know, when I was in college, I decided that, you know, I wanted to be a division one strength coach. And I was really lucky to have experience at a major division one college um, as a freshman and, and stuck with that all four years. I had internships at various places along the way. Um, and I thought that that was kind of my end goal. You know, I, I want to be a division one strength coach. And then I turned 23 and I graduated with my master's from Minnesota and I got hired at Purdue. Uh, and that was, uh, you know, at a time where, again, I had no idea what I was doing, but I just, I just continued to take opportunities and never be afraid to say yes to opportunities. Um, Anything that, you know, I thought was even maybe too far out of my reach. I just tried to continue to say yes and put myself in positions to uh, learn and grow. And uh, after a year at Purdue, I I went down to learn from Tina Murray at University of Louisville and spent four years there. And, you know, from age 24 to 28, I grew uh, more than I probably had in my entire life up to that point. And then this opportunity at South Carolina came up and uh, it was really an opportunity that was too good to be true and uh, that I couldn't pass up and knew at some point in my career, I wanted to take a basketball only route and explore that and see if that was the direction I wanted to go. And there was really no better opportunity to do that than, you know, working for an Olympian uh, national championship caliber team. And um, I decided to take the leap and, been here ever since and it's been incredible it's it's truly one of those opportunities where I have to pinch myself every day but um really fortunate to be here and have really um really grown a lot these last three plus years in Columbia you know having the opportunity to really create something of my own and um be in charge of of a program and direct it what drove you uh into basketball what was that what drove you into basketball? What was the reason you wanted to go into basketball? Yeah, I always played basketball growing up. That was kind of my sport. And uh, as an athlete, I underwent three knee surgeries uh, throughout my life. The first when I was 11 years old and then again in high school and a third one in college. And so I had spent a lot of time in 
physical therapy, uh, you know, and a lot of time in rehab, which initially was kind of the reason I wanted to go down that route. But basketball was just always something that I loved. And then when I was at Marquette, I got to experience both men's and women's basketball there. And there's just something about the environment, um, the sport that I loved. And that was just something that I took a liking to right away. And then I got to work with basketball at every institution I was at in some capacity. And so I got to really kind of dive into that and knew that was something that I wanted to maybe explore at some point. And to be honest, I mean, I think we know, especially in collegiate strength conditioning, if you're really going to make a living out of it, you're either you're a director, you work with football or you work with basketball. And so that was always a factor in my head too, of like sustainability. Can I actually support myself and eventually someday support a family? So, so correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm pretty sure your program's pretty successful, right? Decent. Yeah. Yeah, we- <laughs> oh, to steal it from <laughs> to steal it from double A. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You know they, uh, yeah, they, we've won won a few games over the course of the past few years, and you know I came into it at a time where they were a year removed from a national championship, and so uh, that was an adjustment for me, uh, especially putting a lot of pressure on myself in that role, and really. Um, from the standpoint of when I was filling someone's shoes who I really respected, who was in that position before me, but also just the, just the expectations of the program and really wanting to do a great job. For the listeners that don't know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that's a 2017 NCAA Women's Basketball Champions. You had yes. how many Olympians from that team? Well, on that team now, there's, there's one on the Olympic team. This was her first Olympics. This this last go around, Asia Wilson. Okay, and this year you won the NC uh, the SEC tournament. Yes. And you lost to the national champion Stanford by one point in the final four. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it up. Well, I, <laughs> I, I know that stings, <laughs> but from everyone else's perspective, that's that's high caliber. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. It's still not over it. I won't be <laughs> until we win, win the whole thing. But yeah, yeah, we had this, this past season was, you know, incredibly successful on a, on a lot of fronts, but obviously we still came up short to what we, ex- where we expect to be. Well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm pretty sure your head coach is pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I guess it was a couple of weeks now. You might've seen that we won the golden gold medal we as in usa not not me personally but yeah led 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 team usa to a gold medal and if i'm if um if i'm correct for coach staley that's her seventh as a player and coach yeah she's been a part of a lot of a lot of medals a lot of gold medals so so for those that are listening expectations in columbia south carolina are a national championship (laughs) that's that's what's expected and for, for those that don't understand or haven't um, don't know anything about collegiate women's basketball, um, there are a couple programs that those are that that's the expectation. I, I would say, I mean, I might m- be mistaken, but I would say there's five programs in the country that their expectation every year is to be the last team to not lose. Win your last game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I would put I would put you guys in there. I'd put Stanford in there. I'd put UConn in there. I'd put Louisville in there. Tennessee. And well, yeah, Tennessee. It's been, been a, a, yeah. It's been a while for Tennessee. I don't want to I'd start any for a while. It was uh, Notre Dame. Yep. Well. Yep. And 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 I, I'd still say Notre Dame, and maybe I might throw Duke in there too. Um, just I, I with knowing who the head coach for Duke is right now. I think Kara Lawson, I think her expectations are playing for a national championship. So, I mean, um, and those expectations, like you said, you're still not over it. And I would assume the players aren't over it. You know, it's hard. It's hard when you lose, lose the game to the eventual national championship, when you lose to them by like a point. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a hard, that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, I think it's really no, no better, motivating factor in an off season as well is, oh, is close and, and tasting it and, and knowing what what the difference is now so before we got on the air today we were we were talking about friday because i saw um coach benetti's post that it was uh final four friday um and 
you know, we'll, we'll have you talk about that uh, in a little bit, but um, just, just get into the mindset of what you're looking for as the director of strength and conditioning for women's basketball. What are you looking for as um, an incoming freshman or a transfer? What, what are your, what are your um, goals? What do you want? What would you love to see? What would be an ideal freshman coming into the University of South Carolina women's basketball program? And how do you take that time over the four years to develop them? Because you do some really, you do some really cool shit. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. No, that's a great question. And, you know, that's one that I could really dive into pretty deep. But, you know, obviously, I mean, make no mistake, we get the best players in the country. And so to an extent, uh, that part helps. what was that? That helps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> talent is, is helpful. And that is, that's one of the factors that, you know, when they come in, obviously they're, they're, I think this is the, and I, this is my fourth season. This is the second number one freshman class we've had come in since, since I've been here. And so they're coming in and they're already really good basketball players. And I understand that they come here to South Carolina to play basketball and to be coached by Don Staley. They don't come here to lift weights. They don't come here to, you know, as uh, I forget what the Ohio state quarterback name is, but they don't come here to play school. They come here to play basketball and they come here to win championships. And obviously everything else is important too, but I know that with or without me, they're going to be really good at their sport. And so uh, obviously the first step is, is to assess them and, I think our assessment approach is a little bit unique in that obviously we want to meet them where they're at from a physical standpoint. And obviously they're pretty talented and athletic when they come in, but you'd be surprised even the best basketball players in the nation uh, have a hard time moving well in the weight room. And for a lot of them, this is the first time they've stepped foot in a weight room. Uh, we really have a mix of those that have never touched a weight before and, and some that have had pretty good training throughout high school, but it's a very individualized approach when they come in and I assess them where they're at, but it's also assessing where they're at mentally, emotionally, and, you know, from a, a personality standpoint as well, too. I want to get to know these players on as deep of a level as I can, because that's only going to help me understand them better, coach them better and help them get where they want to go. Ultimately, that's, that's my role is, you know, I'm a, I'm a guide along that journey. And I look at it as a four-year development program to, equip them not only with the physical skills they need to play basketball and keep them healthy at a high level, but also to help them navigate life on, on a deeper level too, and help them develop as people. And so that, that first initial, you know, assessment is really more than just, okay, let's take you through some movements. Let's test out what your strength is, where, you know, your power, let's look at your uh, mobility, flexibility, all those things. It's, no, let's have some conversations and let's ask some questions and kind of get to a point where we can come to an understanding. And, and every day is really an opportunity for me to get to know them better. And that's how I approach it is, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I used to be as a, as a young professional, pretty quick to get straight to the point and train and try to, you know, approach them with this knowledge and skill set that I have to make them better. And I think in the last few years of my career, it's been more of a, I'm going to step back and observe and ask questions and really try to understand this person that's in front of me. So I know and understand what they need and also really figure out how to coach them at a higher level, because the training is, is the easy part that they're going to get better just with consistency. And you can throw the kitchen sink at them. You know, what we do from that standpoint, it's obviously important, but it's not that important. More importantly, it's figuring out, okay, what does this person need and how do they need to be coached? And you know, what are the missing pieces that are going to help take them from already being really good, but now we're developing on a whole different level because we're, we're working on things that are, that are deeper, you know, than under the, under the surface. So, um, I'm, I'm happy to, there's a lot of different ways we can go there, but that's really kind of my starting point. And, um, you know, every, everyone that we get in, it's, it's really a different approach for each of them. It's not a cookie cutter, one size fits all. It's really trying to get deep and figure out, you know, what each person needs on those levels. And I think, you know, I think the cool thing is, you know, when you're dealing with one sport, you have that ability to do that. And, you know, it's, you know, you look at all the coaches that are working just with men or women's basketball. I mean, you really have that opportunity. I, I was sitting at uh, the basketball strength and conditioning symposium out in Vegas, and I was sitting with Coach Roos, 
And this is where I oversaw 20 teams and 400 athletes. And he had men's basketball and he just kind of laughed at me. He was like, yeah, I can't relate to you. <laughs> I mean, I have 15 guys, Mark. I, you know, you have 400. I, 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 I get to know every one of my players and I, I would do my best, but 400 versus one, it's really not a fair, it's really not a fair fight for them. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, what, okay. So somebody comes in and you do your assessment, you get to know them and you know, we, we all know the quote, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And if you're, if you're correcting somebody's squat before you know their name, you're doing it very out of order. I mean, get to know the person first, get to know their whys, um, you know, and, and, and we know that, um, what, what would your, what is your, what is your preseason out of season and in season kind of look like and how much, how much of that, um, is based on coach Staley and how much of a say do you have in what you're doing with the women as far as the, the strength and conditioning goes? Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty fortunate because I'm in a position where um, I have a lot of autonomy and a lot of say in, in our schedule and how much time they spend with me and what I'm able to do with them. Um, you know, coach Staley from day one has always been really supportive and, and giving me free reign to prepare them the way that I see best fit. And so, you know, ultimately the number one goal is, you know, they've got to be on the court and they've got to play basketball. That's always priority. And so we play and practice all year round now, you know, we are in practices all summer long and everything that I do is structured around that. And I'm lucky in the summer, we usually go four or five days, uh, depending on the year this year, we actually went five days straight, a little bit shorter sessions than usual. And I take a group approach too. I usually at least bucket off our, our freshmen or our, our incoming students together for at least the first few weeks just to get them acclimated and to really take some time and slow things down for them. And then I usually break it up, um, usually, sometimes by position, sometimes by, by upperclassmen, underclassmen and things like that. But, um, you know, I think one thing that's changed a lot and since I've been here too is because they're playing basketball so much year round, it really takes away my need to do much from a conditioning standpoint. And I get to focus my time and energy on uh, things that are, in my opinion, a little bit more important. Not that, not that conditioning is not important, but that's the best way to condition for your sport is to play your sport. And so I get to supplement that with anything that someone might need. Um, in addition, you know, if they're, if they're really in a bad place, which usually isn't the case, but I get a lot of time with them throughout the summer. Uh, we actually trained for six weeks this summer, which is a little bit less than what we normally do. Uh, we had a little bit more time off in the beginning of the year, which was nice after, you know, a long season and a deep run in, in the tournament. So we had a couple weeks off and then we've been back now for two weeks. So we have typically a uh, six to eight week block in the summer and then a about a six week block when school starts, which is kind of my preseason uh, and really preparing them for the rigors of when official practice starts in the beginning of October. And then uh, volume wise, we typically will drop off during that October period, usually from you know four to five days down to three sessions will be shorter. And we know basketball is a priority. And you know we train, we're a program that will train three to four times a, a week in season as well too. And sessions might be 15 minutes but I'm a big believer in, in working on your body and working on uh, different qualities every single day. And that looks different for each player based on what their role is and, and what they're doing out on the court. But we stay consistent in that throughout the entire year. And that's usually a, a shock for a lot of players coming into our program, especially ones that haven't lifted before. And then ones that have never lifted in season. So it's a, it's a process, but uh, you know, and in these roles too, like you said before, I get to spend so much time with them. I spend more time with them than our, our sport coaches do for much of the year. And so it's a pretty unique position to be in to impact them on a lot of different levels uh, and get them prepared for a season. It sounds like uh, for the 365 days of the year, you're, you're with them quite a bit. But for those times that you're not with them, you know, they're going home to visit family or whatever. Um, what are they doing to keep their strength up? And are, are they doing it by themselves? Are you giving them programs to do? What's their, what's their strength and conditioning IQ to be able to be autonomous? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And that's something that's, it takes some time to develop because I'm a big believer in, in really trying to drive, you know, intrinsic motivation and, and drive change of behavior through, you know, connecting with them on a level that it means something to them rather than, you know, I think my approach used to be, oh, yeah, I'm going to send them home with this, you know, month long at home program and here you go. And that just, it doesn't work. You give them a piece of paper and they never see that piece of paper again. Or, you know, you're constantly babysitting them and, and checking in on them every day. And, you know, for some of our players, um, you know, they are more autonomous than others. And, and some require a little bit more structure. But typically when they go home, depends on the time. You know, sometimes they might have a, a week, week and a half off. There's times where I'm, I'm really not pushing a lot from that standpoint because there's because they go all year round. There's some times that they just need to chill out. So that's and, kind of like a downtime. That's their. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you know, they usually are home for the entire month of May and that's a little bit different. But the way that I I've tend to um, shift towards now is, you know, each of them will have the first week of, of their workouts from me, you know, when they go home and some of them do work with a trainer. Some of them will go to their high school. Some of them will go work out with their dad or or a family member or something like that. And, and everyone's program is really designed based on what they have access to at home. And some of them don't have access to a lot. And to be honest, I, that used to stress me out. And it, I really realized that it's okay. There's still, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get the job done and you've got to be adaptable and flexible. So their, their ability to continue to get workouts from me hinges on their ability to communicate and stay accountable to what they have to do. And so there are certain things that uh, they're supposed to check in with me on. And if they don't, that's cool, but I'm not going to go out and, and send you something if you're not in contact with me. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you earn that next week of workouts and we'll continue to build and I'll make adjustments based on how it went. If you're going to be, you know, let's say you change locations for the next week and you're going to be on vacation with your family. Cool. Let's work with that. You're going to the beach. Awesome. Let's, let's adapt for that. So, um, I think that my overall philosophy of coaching in general is really to include them in on the process and, and make it less of a, a control and command environment where they're, you know, merely going through what I'm telling them to go through and, and more including them in the process of, of educating and um, letting them have some say in what they do to, to foster more of that environment where, okay, cool. Like I get, I get to choose, I get to, you know, do things that, you know, it's a balance between what they need and what they want. And it, you know, honestly, it just creates more trust. It creates more buy-in and it allows them for, you know, once we get to that point where some growth has taken place, where they can go home and I'm, I don't have to stress about them doing what they need to do because they know the importance of it. They know what the expectations are and they also understand how to train. So I don't need to sit there and, and write out every single workout for them. They've learned how to construct workouts themselves. They learned how to, you know, put pieces together and, they also know things that they need to work on and things that they feel like help them. So it's a, it's a never ending process, but it's really one that, you know, sometimes some things suffer in the short term uh, in order to grow and learn things in the long term. And I've had to really kind of be okay with relinquishing some control and allowing them to uh, figure some things out on their own. There's, there's very few things more frustrating when you have a former athlete who's gone through your program for four years, reach out to you and go, Hey coach, can you send me a workout? <laughs> it's like, Hey, dumbass. <laughs> you, you went through it for four years. I would hope you pick something up. Like right. this hasn't changed. I'm not coming up with something new. I want you to horizontally push horizontally pull, vertically push, vertically pull. I want you to hinge at your hips. I want you to squat on bilateral single leg. And I want you to carry something heavy. Like that's it. And I want you to progressively overload that on some, on some level. Um, I think one of the cool things that you said is that they earn, they earn that second week of you sending them something. Um, because at, as a coach, there's really nothing more frustrating than taking your time and putting together this like awesome packet. You're like, man, this is like the gold standard. There's nobody that's written a better freaking workout plan than this. And then you go in the locker room and you see like three of them thrown in the trash can. You're like, huh? Like, no, 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 no. You're, you're going to earn my time. And if you do everything that you, like you said, if you do everything on week one and everything's on point, 
then you get you've earned week two. You know, and and I, and I and I love that. I love that switch. I love I love the switch of, you know. And I tell a lot of people, it's like you don't have to work out. You get to work out. Like if you come into the facility and you're like, man, I have to do this. You've already set the tone for how this day is going to go. Like there's so many people, and especially with the 16 uh, young ladies that you're working with, there are a lot of young ladies that would love to be down in Columbia, South Carolina, working with you in that gorgeous facility that you have flying around the country on that, that private jet, you know, acting like Ric Flair, um, you know, and that's, that's the reality of it. It's like, you know, when you're at that level, there's so many, there's so many young ladies that dream of to get to that level, but don't understand the level of work and commitment that it takes to be at that level, you know? And, and I, yes, all 16 of your young ladies are, are, are blessed. They're genetically gifted. They know how to play ball. What's going to take them from South Carolina and take them to the WNBA or onto the national team? Like where, where does that, does that come from them? Does that come from you? Does that come from you and coach Staley? I mean, like you said, you, you, you've had, you have one Olympian on the team this year. Where did you see the switch in her from where she was at South Carolina to be able to be on the national team. Yeah, you know, what it takes to get from here to there is, you know, it's every single person in our program. And, you know, ultimately it's, it's our role to help equip them with the skill set that it's because talent wise, obviously when they come in, they, they, we have a few that are, that are pro ready, honestly, from a, from a talent and skill level, but that, just because we get that level of talent and just because we get that caliber of athlete doesn't mean that they know how to work. And so, you know, part of my job is teaching them how to work and teaching them um, and equipping them with some of those skills of, of really figuring out how to solve problems, how to think for themselves, how to understand their body, how to take care of their bodies and all of those things that they're going to need at that pro level. And every person on this, in this program has a role in developing them in, in some way. And obviously, you know, that's a, there's some that have and play much bigger roles than others. And ultimately we're all trying to develop that athlete to understand and feel for themselves what that, what that is. And, and coach Staley has, I guess, a mantra. It's, you know, there's a look sound and feel to a championship program. And there's a look sound and feel to, you know, what's right for, for you personally. And that's, I think our, our kind of North star in terms of, uh, what we're looking for that player to experience in their time here so that when they become a pro, they've already developed pro-like habits. And we did, you know, we had, you know, Asia Wilson was, was graduating gone by the time I got here, but we have a current player on our roster who was just on the Canadian national team and made it to her first Olympics. And she was somebody that uh, has suffered two torn ACLs and came to us actually as an early enrollee as a freshman because she had just torn her ACL a month after coming back from her first one. And so she decided to come here because in Canada, she would have had to wait, you know, six months for her surgery. She came here to have her surgery in, in rehab with me. And, you know, when I think about her skill set and, and what an Olympian looks like, it's you've got to go through some adversity and you've got to experience hardship to really kind of know what you're made of and to really, it gives you a different perspective on life. And, and without a doubt, you know, her work ethic in, in combination with a lot of other, other traits that she has got her to this point. But, you know, those things are, are all skills that can be taught. And I think that's a really unique role we have as, you know, if we want it, you know, some of us just want to train athletes, but we have a really unique opportunity if we want it to really help them develop that mindset that mentality those leadership skills and help empower them to take ownership of their development and I think that's you know if I could sum up what I want my role to be in in, in one sentence is I want to empower them to take ownership of their careers their bodies their lives their all of it and um, you know it's it's a process and, and I think that type of work is requires a lot more effort on our part if we want to go that deep but you know, I know that's not for everybody, but to me, that's the most uh, rewarding, most fulfilling and, and best part of my job. Coach, let's go in the other direction. So 
Mark went after college. Let's take that avatar of the incoming freshman, and I want you to break down two separate time periods in their lifetime leading up to that freshman year and what activities, what things they should learn um, for, their, for their future success in, the, in strength and conditioning and in injury prevention. So that time, ninth to 12th grade high school, and then let's say fourth, fifth to eighth grade, those two different time periods, what activities should they be doing and what should they be learning? Yeah, I think the, you know, I think maybe from a, a younger developmental age, you know, you hear a lot of debate and talk about, right, multi-sport athletes for single sport athletes. I think the best athletes that I've seen come through played multiple sports as a kid growing up, they're involved in, you know, football or um, track or gymnastics or whatever. Like I've had, you know, players do all kinds of things. And I think, you know, we don't need to sit and really spend a lot of time on really diving into why that's important. But I think a lot of the skills that I teach, especially as they come in as freshmen are um, in relation to a lot of those skills that you get at a young age, if you're playing multiple sports um, and that the ones that don't and weren't involved in those things really struggle with when they, when they get here in terms of, um, you know, I, I think of like the rolling and the crawling and a lot of the work in vestibular system and just kinesthetic awareness and be in balance and all coordination, rhythm, all of these things that are developed through, you know, a range of skills. So I think that that comes to mind first when, when I look at that, those younger formative age, ages of their, of their lives. And then I think from high school, obviously I'm maybe biased because I'm a strength coach, but if you can get involved in some sort of organized strength training as a freshman and do that throughout the course of your high school career, you know, from an injury standpoint, obviously we know that ACLs are a huge concern. We know that women are more susceptible to, to injuries. So that from a preventative standpoint, and also just laying the foundation for them to come into college and kind of make that transition a little bit smoother. Um, you know, I've seen the ones that have that experience are able to, to come in and it's, it's a much more seamless process. And, um, rather than those that, that haven't had that experience. It, it takes a lot more time to, to get to that same point. With the, um, so with the, I think one of the things, and I think one, one of the reasons it's important for athletes, especially youth athletes to um, not only play the sport that they're good at, but also play the sport that they might not be that good at, is that, and you touched on it, is uh, uh, there's no growth, there's no growth without struggle. I mean, you got to struggle. I mean, there's got to be some struggle. I mean, it's, and it goes back and I'll, I'll, I'll do the analogy again. I mean, if you take a caterpillar and you open up the cocoon and you take that butterfly out, that butterfly is going to die because it didn't have to struggle and their wings didn't get strong enough to fly. So, you know, with athletes, you have to, they have to go through some, they don't, they have to struggle a little bit. And the segue to this is now let's discuss Final Four Friday, because I think a lot of what you're doing with Final Four Friday has to do with overcoming adversity, team bonding, communication, and what are you going to do when you get to a problem and you can't solve it? Like, what, what do you do? So before we got on there, we talked a little bit about Final Four Friday today. Um, so if you could, Molly, just, just roll us through what you do uh, as far as Final Four Friday goes. What's the concept behind it? What have you done? What have you done on the last couple of Fridays? And how did you finish it uh, with, I, I would assume today was the last one. Unless, yeah. unless you take it all the way up to the season. I do. Actually, we actually take it all the way up to uh, when we start official practice. But um, I'd like to even just backpedal for a second of, of what you just said, too. You know, I think when it comes to that struggle and comes to that hardship, you hear a lot of talk now about, you know, this today's athlete is so soft or this generation is so soft. And, you know, I think about the population that I work with and they, they're, they're the furthest thing from soft. You know, when you hear their story and you hear things that they've experienced and you hear things that people in their families have experienced and they have experienced uh, things that I hope, I never would have to encounter. So it's not, a, it's not a, they're a soft. It's not that they're soft. They don't know how to navigate 
they've ne they haven't had the support or the guidance to navigate adversity and to navigate things that are hard. It's not that they that they're soft. It's that we haven't done a good enough job of helping them understand and, and work through those things. So I, I think that's a really important piece of this puzzle of, you know, the I'm so sick of kind of the mental toughness and the, you know, talking about kids being soft. I think it's it's a cop out when it comes to what, you know, how we can impact them in that way. And I know from personal experience in, in coaching that it's not that they're soft. It's just that they don't, they need to, they need to have the skill set that they don't have to, to go through things that are really hard. And so I think that's part of, again, that those skills that I want to equip them with as a coach and yeah, final four Fridays to kind of get back to the main question is, is an opportunity for us uh, to do that. And, and what I love most about final four Fridays is obviously, um, you know, we train in groups through most of the year, just uh, purely from a number standpoint and it allows me to really dive deep with them on an individual level, but every Friday throughout the off season and really this preseason time in, in August and September, we do a, a team workout on Friday mornings early. We'll go at 7 a.m. And um, the number one goal of, of those final four Fridays are to empower them and, and put them in leadership positions and also give them situations where, like you said, they've got to figure things out and they, they've got to, um, they've got to, strategize and navigate different situations. And so every Friday I try to get them out of the weight room as much as possible. And we'll go different places on campus. Um, you know, we'll go to our arena, which is, you know, two blocks away. We've gone to football. We've gone to beach volleyball. We'll go to soccer track. Uh, we've got this massive hill out behind our academic center. We'll go. Uh, we've done a lot of various things. And uh, usually every Friday I appoint at least two leaders of the day. And those are my point people. Those are the people that I'm explaining what that mission for the day is. And then they're responsible for organizing their team and figuring out how they're going to get it done. And I love it. I love it from a, a coach perspective because most of the time I'm standing back and I'm just observing. Is and that I'm trying usually seniors or are you giving that responsibility to even underclassmen? I'll give it to underclassmen as well too. There's, um, I really try to change it up and depending on what the type of challenge is, we'll kind of determine who I appoint for that day. And usually I will start with, you know, when we're first starting these out, it'll be our, either our captains or uh, the people that are, are typically considered our leaders. So they've got an example of what that looks like. I'm not going to just throw, you know, one of our freshmen in the fire week one and say, here, figure it out. Although, you know, that might be a good idea at some point, but I try please to video, please videotape that. Yeah. Please videotape. Please videotape if you take a freshman week one and make them the, in charge of Final Four Friday. I will yeah, love yeah. to see that. Might be an interesting social experiment. <laughs> but um, so I do. I, I try to give our our, I guess you know what we might consider our immediate leaders the the reins on the first couple weeks and, and let them help everyone else navigate the situation. So, you know, some days it'll be a full team competition. Some, some weeks it's a team one versus team two competition. Some weeks it's with multiple teams. Um, and there's always an overarching, you know, objective of the day. And uh, it's really an opportunity, opportunity for me to reflect and, and evaluate their ability to lead and communicate and, you know, who's, who are the ones that are taking control when things get hard and things are getting messy and unorganized? And who are the ones that are kind of retreating and, and keeping to themselves? Who are the ones that are great teammates and, um, you know, never letting a teammate, uh, you know, struggle or making sure that they've got what they need to, to figure things out. And I'm taking notes of all this, you know, as, as this is happening and I'm making notes of, you know, things our leaders are doing well, you know, what are points of improvement? Uh, what are other people doing? And then really at the end, it's, it's not me leading the conversation, it's them. And so I open it up and usually I'll give our leaders the floor first and what went well, what didn't go well, what could have done, what could you have done better and, and let the conversation kind of unfold organically and then give other people the opportunity to chime in. And it's an opportunity for them to call out other people and not call out in a negative way. It's, it's either highlighting something positive that they saw, highlighting something that needs to be addressed, highlighting ways that, okay, well, this is where we went wrong. This is what we could have done differently. Um, but it's, it's not me driving those conversations. It's them driving those conversations. And that's when learning happens the best. And 
when they've ultimately as coaches, they're the ones that have to figure things out when they're out on the court. Uh, it's, we can help guide them. Coach Staley can help guide them, but ultimately they've got to communicate. They've got a job to get done and it's, it's their responsibility. They either execute it or they don't, but we can teach them how to execute those situations better. And, and that's an opportunity. And that's what we try to do on, on those final four Fridays. And it's a love hate relationship. They, they love it because they, they enjoy it and they know it's helpful for them. And I think it helps them learn and grow, but they hate it because they know it's, it's usually pretty hard. Um, and the goal is never to, to crush them or anything like that, but it is to, to experience difficult things, right. And, and do something hard and have to really find another gear, another level within themselves. Well, and basketball players, let's be honest, they don't always love being in the weight room. No, no. <laughs> they want to play basketball or they want to take a nap. <laughs> or eat. Or eat, yeah, <laughs> shoot. They would rather sleep than eat most of the time. Um, um, what, um, if, uh, are you doing something different with your female athletes than you would if you were, say, in charge of, if you were the head of strength and conditioning coach for the men's program? That's a loaded question. <laughs> they, Scott, Scott, Scott's ears just perked up. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, there's a lot of different elements. Um, you know, I'd say from a, a physical side, yeah, there's a, there's a science to training women. Uh, there, there is. I think one of the biggest aspects of the way that we train is more from a, a mental and emotional and, and more environmental space than anything. And I think there's so many different opportunities especially for me being a female in this role to help create an environment for them that empowers them to be strong, badass women in a, in a world that really tries to downplay uh, women and uh, is really judgmental and, you know, navigate a space, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, physicality and strength and body image and, you know, what you know, what that looks like to, to kind of be in that world of sport, you know, it's not always forgiving uh, to experience that, you know, as a female. And so I hope to provide them with an environment that shows them that it's an amazing thing to be who they are and to give them the space to be who they are without judgment and a space to really make them um, kind of be courageous in, in, in being like own who they are and own you know, who they are as an athlete, but on who's, who they are as a person, um, you know, and from, from that standpoint, there's so many different ways that I think the environment we create helps promote that. And the way that I coach helps promote that. And, you know, from a, a training standpoint, you know, women in, in general respond a little bit better to more volume. And so being mindful of that in certain situations, when I'm planning, um, obviously there, there's, you know, opportunities for training differences, you know, based on menstrual cycle. And, you know, I'm, that's an area that I'm, I'm learning more about, you know, there's, there's people that are really exploring that a lot more right now. You know, Sam Moore is shout out to Sam Moore. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> like unreal. And, and, and she, I mean, I've learned so much from her and, and there's still so much I don't even know, but like, I, I don't know anyone else doing it like she is right now. And I think she's really open, open people's eyes in terms of like, Oh, this like, I don't, I don't think people really thought about it before. And so, so far, so far, it's been our number one podcast. This one might give it a run for its money, but so far that's number one. <laughs> I, I I'm okay. Taking backseat to Sam. Truly. <laughs> she, she deserves that spot, but um, yeah, there, there, you can really go deep into some of that and go deep on, on the training side too. But I think really ultimately from my, I'm always coming at it from the lens of how am I creating an environment and that they want to be a part of, but also where they feel really confident in what they're doing and in who they are and how, how am I helping empower them to be strong, powerful, opinionated um, women in a, in a world where we're still trying to fight our way to, to have seats at the table. And so I think that's such a, a fun part of my job as well. Um, and something that I, I take a lot of pride in, in trying to create for them and help guide them in, in those situations. And for me, it, it's an opportunity to, I can try to be a role model in that sense of being in the position I'm in and, I'm in and helping them navigate that. First and foremost, you, you won't be okay with being number two. 
I, that's that's that. I don't Sam, like to lose. Sam, I, I hate to lose, but Sam, Sam with I all respect due respect, Sam. Uh, with all due respect, Sam Molly's full of shit on that one. She's not okay <laughs> with being number two to you. So whatever, have fun at have fun at Chapel Hill, Sam. We'll be in touch. Um, uh, I think, you know, I think you said a lot of lot of great things there. With you know, providing an environment where the women feel comfortable to be the strong um individual badass women that they are i mean i like i i'm if you're posting something i'm seeing it you know if you post a story i watch it you know um because i i love everything that you're doing down there in columbia south carolina i love everything that you're doing for our profession um you know and and what i said when i introduced you was couldn't hold more true than when I said it earlier, um, but where do you see Molly? I love talking in the third person, by the way. Mark loves talking in the third person. Um, where do you see yourself in one year, three years, five years, 10 years? And, I have and no clue, Mark. No clue, Mark. <laughs> that is not the answer, Molly. <laughs> no, I can't. I, that, Damn it, I, you want to seat at the table. <laughs> she was ready for that one, Mark. <laughs> no. But listen, I will say this, I, you know, and that's, I always struggled with that question because I always, I, you know, you have this idea or this like outlook for your life. Right. And then I think as I've re I sit here as a 31 year old, nothing in my life, other than I knew that I was going to be a strength coach, like nothing in my life has played out the way that I envisioned it. And I couldn't be more grateful for that. And I think that you know, when I think about what I want most for my career, I don't know what that looks like in, in three, five, 10 years, but I do know that I'm going to find myself in a position uh, where I'm able to continue to love on people and impact people. And whether that's in a coaching role, whether that's in, I have no idea. I don't even know if it exists yet, but I do know, I think the most important piece of that is really knowing who I am and growing in who I am and being true to that and finding avenues to be able to do what I love and while still being me and, and hopefully, you know, do it around people that I love too. And I know that's probably sounds like a cliche or, or, or cheesy answer, but I think I I've up to this point, I've just been trying to ride the wave and see where that takes me and, and kind of follow the guide of, is this true to who I am? Is this doing what I know to be what I want to do and what I love to do and where I can make the most impact. And that has led me to places I never thought I would be. And I know that I will continue to, to be led in, in places that I, I never could have imagined if I could kind of continue down that path. And I think that's what excites me is I really don't know, but I do know it's whatever it is, it's, it's going to be awesome. I got one more. I got one more. No, no, I got to beat you to this. You, you'll get one more. I think, Coach, I think, I think Boone would be pissed off if we didn't, you know, mention, you know, following your mission statement and, and making your promised land. So, and me being the idiot, I think the sign beside behind you says be present. So asking you a, a one, three, five and 10 year question, I'm the idiot on that one because behind, <laughs> behind Molly yeah. it says be present. It doesn't say where the hell are you going to be in one, three, five and 10 years. So I'm trying to be, be where my feet are and be be the best at where I am now and get yeah. take it from there. Unfortunately, so many people in our profession, especially the younger people in our profession, don't understand that. Like do the best job that you're where you're at now and it will get you to where you want to be. You know, do I, was, I was the same way. I was the same way. And oh, I, we, we've all been there. Yeah, I think you do that. And, you know, when your time is up at, at a certain place, you know, when it'll feel, you'll, you'll feel it. And I, and I think that's true for me as well too. And, um, I, that, you know, easily, you know, could be searching and always trying to find something bigger and better, but you know, grass is green where you water it. And I've got an <laughs> opportunity here and I'm trying to enjoy every moment of it and, um, you know, enjoy this experience. Well, and also be the, also be the team that wins the last game. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, that'll make it even even sweeter. Coach, you said something earlier that resonated with me. Um, how you know you injuring your knee three times being an athlete was one of the factors that drove you into strength and conditioning. 
I have a similar story. You know, I had a lot of injuries as an athlete and it kind of led me in, down the path of studying yoga, martial arts to find out why. Knowing what you know now, oh, was it the same knee? Was it all, all three injuries? All three, yeah, left knee three times. So knowing what you know now, what would you do differently to possibly prevent that? Or is that even possible? Well, the first one, I don't think it would have been possible. Like I was 11. I wasn't even done growing yet. It was really more a, a matter of uh, anatomy than anything else. And I didn't tear anything. I, my kneecap would sublux and, and come back into place, which was a lot of fun. But <laughs> which, way would it, which way would it go? <laughs> it would go out. Like it, didn't, it just didn't sit right in the groove. Yeah, it, okay. would, it would move out laterally and then, and then pop right back in. It never fully dislocated. That's but, a good time. Yeah. So I was 11 and I was super, I played, you know, three or four different sports and I didn't lift. I mean, I lifted a little bit in high school, but, you know, knowing what I know now about obviously the female body and also just the benefits of strength training from a physical and, and even just, you know, mental and emotional resilience standpoint, I would have loved to have gotten into that at an earlier age. I think that would have helped me. And I really didn't take my rehabs probably as serious as I could have had I been equipped with, you know, better, better environment or just more knowledge or any of that. So definitely would have tried to have prevented some of those. Cause I think, um, you know, I had some opportunities to play, you know, either basketball or softball at some, you know, really low level schools, which is obviously, you know, knowing that now too, like that's an awesome opportunity as well, but like, who knows, you know, if I could have been healthier, if, I mean, I wasn't a great athlete by any means, but I, I wouldn't in a, in a minute change the path that I've taken, but definitely w would have wished I would have taken those things a little bit more seriously at a younger age. Awesome. Any, any advice for a young female strength and conditioning coach coming up through the ranks? Great question. Man. <laughs> so besides, many besides, show up on, besides show up on time and work your ass off. Oh man, I would say if the 31-year-old Molly could give the 18-year-old Molly advice. I would say this. I would say one, it doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to be done a certain way. You don't have to fall into the the trap of or the perception or the stereotype of what a strength coach is supposed to be. Be who you are, be true to yourself and be be comfortable in your own skin and and being okay with not fitting the, fitting the stereotypical mold of a strength coach and i think the second part to that i know you asked for one thing but seeking out seeking out women who have been in this field and experienced the same struggles and you know successes that that they will experience and i think that we learn the best when we share those struggles and i don't think we do it enough i think women tend to do it the most because we we have to connect with each other because we have very shared experiences um but i think being able to seek out mentorship and seek out people that have done it before you and learn from their experiences can help so much just in feeling in feeling comfortable uh, in who you are and also just helping to navigate the, I mean, as we know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that we got to figure out and go through. And so it always helps when, you know, someone else has gone through that too. And you can, you can share those moments. Well, and, and I think, I think, you know, as a profession, I think, know your history. I mean, and, and like you said, you can sidestep a lot of, a lot of mistakes if you reach out to the people that have come before you. Because as you know, I mean, we stand on the shoulders of giants in our profession. And for the people that have started our profession, want, first and foremost, thank you for giving me a career. Um, but, you know, for the people that are coming behind us, you know, the path has been laid for you. You just might have to reach out to somebody and ask some questions. And pretty much everybody in our profession likes to talk. <laughs> that's, that's an understatement that's an understatement but I think you're right no you know none of us are self-made you know as much as we like to think we are sometimes you know I think of, I wouldn't be where I am right now without it's always with the help of other people um and so it's it's never a bad thing it's it's okay to be vulnerable and asking for help and it's okay to to seek out help and it's okay to not know 
all the answers because none of us have it all figured out. Even once, you know, those of us that have been in this a long time, we're still figuring it out, but um, we can't, you can't get to where you want to be without, without someone else helping you along the way. And I think sometimes, you know, we want to, we want to do it all ourselves, but it never turns out quite as good. Coach, um, someone wants to reach out to you or follow you on socials, where can they do so? Yeah, I'm pretty active on, uh, I would say Instagram, probably a little bit more than, than Twitter. I'm active on Twitter as well, too. Um, you know, Coach Benetti on Twitter is my handle. And then uh, I am comfortable that people can use the search bar uh, in terms of finding my Instagram or, or my email. It's on, our, it's on our website. Do your research. But, uh, I'm really bad at answering emails. So I would recommend social media be the way to go first. Awesome. Well, coach, awesome meeting you today. Thank you for coming on. I think you're going to make a run from the number one spot, to be honest with you. I appreciate that. Appreciate hopefully, that. Really? <laughs> What'd you say? Hopefully a couple times. Oh, yeah. We'll see. We'll yeah, see. I mean, so I appreciate uh, you guys having me on and appreciate you guys, you know, giving people a platform to, to share their stories and, and share their expertise, but appreciate the time. What do you got, Chris? You can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, a bunch of other places. We're putting shorter clips together. It's happening now in the background because a lot of our podcasts go 45 minutes to an hour. So we're doing little five, 10 minute segments because there's a lot of material that we got that I think a lot of people are missing. So those are going to be coming up soon. Um, you know, little concentrated material of content. And uh, thanks for tuning in today. That's all from me. Who are you? You didn't, you didn't say goodbye. I'm Mark. Who Spellman. are you? No, you're not. I'm Mark Spellman. You're Chris Sherrod. And together we're athlete hackers. Thank you, everybody. All my best. God bless. Take care. Peace. Peace.